Hey, this is a brand new business podcast called Repeat Customer. More about that in a minute. But first, I thought we could, you know, break the ice with a question. Uh, seen any good movies recently? My name is uh, Dave Buckmaster. I live in the Portland, Oregon area. I would say this month that I have seen 25 films, I, be I believe, uh, in the theater. 25 movies in one month. How is that even possible? Forget how much time that would take. It would cost me over $300. My old movie viewing habits would probably have just been uh, three or four films a year. That was probably about it. Right. But then last year, something happened to Dave, something big, something cinematic. The big change occurred for me when I was recommended MoviePass from a friend. Yeah, MoviePass. It's an app that for the low cost of just like $10 a month, it lets you see up to one movie a day in a theater on a big screen. It's a subscription for movies. I mean, I can't even tell you the last time I went to a movie theater. Hasn't this guy ever heard of Netflix? It's been fun. <laughs> I think that's really what it comes down to. Uh, I, I've had a blast. I used to love going to cinema when I was a kid. Uh, and uh, it's just kind of rekindled that. Welcome to Repeat Customer, an original podcast from Zendesk about great customer experiences, how companies create them, and why their super fans love them so much. My name is Mio Edelman, and Zendesk is a customer service and engagement platform. Both of us love a good customer experience. So I've scoured the earth for businesses that are redefining what that means. Which brings us to MoviePass. Right now, there's a lot of buzz, hype, noise, high-fiving, also hand-wringing and controversy about MoviePass because they're changing the customer experience of going to movies. And that means millions of people, like this guy Dave, are rediscovering movie theaters. And spoiler alert, it isn't just because it only costs $10 a month. In a digital age, where lonely souls squint at feature films on tiny phone screens, a brave tech startup yearns for the human connections of an earlier, simpler time. This is the heartwarming origin story of an impossible dream to put bums back in seats. Okay, um, I don't know about that, but MoviePass does seem to be putting bums in seats. Last year, a couple million people signed up. And here's how it works. You download the MoviePass app for 10 bucks a month. They send you a specialized MasterCard credit card. You go to a theater. Within 30 minutes of screen time, you choose a film through the app. MoviePass puts the money on that card and you get your ticket at a kiosk and then walk into the theater. It's totally simple. Now, MoviePass has been around since 2011, but it finally took off last year for a bunch of really interesting reasons related to different levels of the customer experience. And we're going to get deep into that. But first, let's talk about the customer experience of going to a movie before MoviePass came along. So, like many people in the 70s and 80s, I grew up going to a lot of movies. I remember standing in line in the rain for hours with all of the kids from my street to watch Rocky 3. It was, I mean, it was awesome. The audience went nuts when Rocky beat the crap out of Clubber Lang, who was played by Mr. T. 
But then VCRs soon took over, and every year, me and my friends and everyone else started going to less and less movies. Well, it actually starts in the 50s with television. But, oh, right. Uh, with okay, with television. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is me getting schooled by Brent Lang. No relation to Clubber Lang. He writes about films for Variety magazine. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at it really, like the height of movie going, it is in like, uh, you know, the silent era, the World War II era, where people were going to the movies on a weekly basis. They'd actually sort of make a day of it. They'd have newsreels, they'd have, uh, you know, B pictures, cartoons. It was a, a gathering hub. Um, if you look at, at movie going, attendance uh, decreases dramatically in the 1950s. And there's this thought that, you know, we have to compete with uh, television. And, and it's not totally dissimilar to what you see today, because in the 1950s, um, they started to do different kinds of uh, projections. Uh, you have things like CinemaScope, and there's a sense like, well, you can't see this in your home. Television was later joined by VCRs, video games, then the internet, then our iPhones, and then streaming. You know, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu. That's a bunch of really good reasons to stay home instead of going to the movies. Going to a movie is actually a very passive experience, and I think sometimes people want maybe a more interactive experience. But just like in the 50s, movie theaters have come up with a bunch of things you can really only enjoy in the theater. 3D, VIP, IMAX, Ultra AVX, reclining chairs, vibrating chairs, bigger chairs with better sight lines. I think it's safe to say that the experience of seeing a movie in a theater is way better than when I was a kid, but it comes at a cost. As admissions have gone down, and they've gone down since uh, 2002, I think about 22%, um, they've sort of papered over that with higher ticket prices. Since 2002, um, ticket prices have gone up more than 50%. So it's become a much more premium, much higher-end experience. A higher-end experience that seems to favor a certain kind of movie. If you really look at, like, film history, what what is now the dominant genre that were B-pictures, you know, 30 years ago? And it really starts with um, Jaws and Star Wars, where these movies you know, have a kind of popularity that Hollywood had never seen before. And so they started sort of moving more and more in that in that direction. Star Wars and Avengers, Avengers and Star Wars, rinse and repeat. Indie films, not so much. You know, in, in, in 1988, I think the, the highest grossing film was Rain Man. I mean, that, that would be unthinkable uh, today. So even though they really improved the customer experience of seeing a movie in a theater, and even though there's still the odd major hit, I'm like I'm thinking of The Last Jedi and The Amazing Black Panther, overall ticket sales are still down. Less people are going to see less films. There seems to be a disconnect. Maybe something missing with the customer experience? And this is where things get interesting, because recently the movie theater industry was basically handed a lifeline from somebody who could be blamed, in part at least, for the decline of moviegoing in general. My name is Mitch Lowe, and I'm the CEO and president of MoviePass.com. Did you grow up going to see a lot of movies? Not really. Uh, you know, I, uh, I had a vivid memory of watching television after school. In those days, it was uh, Disney's Sunday night movie, and, you know, I loved those. I loved, uh, you know, the various movies that, you know, you would see on television. But, but not in the theater. 
If it seems odd that the guy trying to change the movie theater experience didn't exactly grow up loving going to movie theaters, then you're probably thinking the same thing as me. But there's a pretty good lesson in Mitch Lowe's story, which we'll get to in a moment. You see, that childhood love of watching movies on TV led Mitch to owning and operating a chain of video stores in California. I spent about 13,000 hours working behind a video store counter, you know, working one-on-one with customers, learning how they think of entertainment. And that really formed the core of, uh, of uh, my um, understanding of the customer. Mitch took all of that frontline video store experience and a bunch of trade association data, and he wound up at a company you probably subscribe to now. Yeah, I was uh, one of the founding executives at Netflix, and I was the COO and president for eight years at uh, Redbox. I didn't realize this, but Netflix became a subscription service way back in 1999. And Mitch was part of the team that figured out how much people were willing to pay per month to rent DVDs by mail. DVDs used to come to your house in the mail. Now, this is important. Remember it for later. Mitch also helped create something called Cinematch. And so I was able to connect the dots between the customer experience and then the kind of the large data trends. And one of the things I I saw, and this is what we brought uh, to Netflix, is that people really wanted someone who looked like them and might be like them recommend something to them. And it turns out, you know, we used a, 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 a system called collaborative filtering. And what that essentially is, is you rate a bunch of films and then we find a bunch of people who rated those same films the same way. And then we look at films that someone else rated highly uh, uh, that you hadn't seen. We would recommend those to you because the assumption was they were like you in that, you know, you had similar tastes. Data personalization. Netflix paid engineers millions of dollars to better understand their customers, to better tailor what they offered them. Later, when the company started streaming, the data really started pouring in. The movie theater only knows who about 25% of the people are, uh, you know, who belong to loyalty programs or belong to Fandango. And and none of those groups share that data. So they're in little pods all over. I know this word gets used a lot, but Netflix really disrupted the customer experience of how we watch movies. Just ask Dave, the movie fanatic we heard from at the beginning of the show. Yeah, I think that the streaming service has kind of just gently eroded my my interest in, in going to the theater. But then, as Dave and basically everyone else remained glued to the small screen, Mitch Lowe made a pretty funny discovery. He had left Netflix, then run Redbox, a DVD vending machine business, left there too. Then, with time on his hands, for some reason, he started going to film festivals. What I found is the theater experience is really, really cool. You can kind of totally immerse yourself. Uh, you can be swept away by the story. Unlike today, you know, watching on your phone or on your, on your, on your computer, you've got all these distractions, your phone is ringing, you know, and you really don't go deep into the story. Mitch discovered the magical appeal of this thing called watching a movie in a theater. I loved that experience. And then I started seeing all these amazing films by independent uh, producers and directors that never got into the theater. 
It almost was painful to think about all the people who will never see these great films. And and it, what remi- it reminded me of the time at Netflix where we were able to find, you know, that straw in the haystack of a person who would love that small film, you know, out in the kind of the, the whole atmosphere of, you know, millions and millions of choices. In hindsight, this would become a pretty major revelation. Mitch basically realized that all of the new customer experiences he had helped develop in the home entertainment industry weren't being adopted by the movie theaters. And it wasn't just about the data personalization. As Brent Lang at Variety points out, by now consumers were getting used to a broader choice of subscription services. And it makes total sense, right? I mean, you you use subscription models for all kinds of things. I belong to like Amazon Prime, I belong to Spotify, I belong to Netflix. Why would I not want a monthly subscription service for something else that I enjoy going to? The reason people like that is that if they don't like one thing, they can switch to something else. And no one feels like there's like uh, added cost to that freedom, that freedom of kind of switching channels. And that's missing at the movie theater. Mitch thought that removing the financial risk of potentially seeing a bad movie would encourage people to check out more movies. And this would really benefit the filmmakers of all those indie films he'd rediscovered at film festivals. Brent Lang agrees. It sort of liberates people, right? Like, if you're not sure you're like a big Wes Anderson fan, it's no skin off your back if you don't like the movie. Good idea, right? Well, not so fast. The movie theater companies didn't agree. So when MoviePass launched in 2011, they weren't exactly welcomed by the theater chains. Well, in this particular case, it's having the disruption sort of uh, foisted upon them unwillingly by an outside party. And I think that's why there's a lot of controversy surrounding MoviePass. It's not as if AMC said, you know what, Let's this subscription thing seems to be really hot right now. Let's introduce it to our customers. If you think about it, this would be like if Uber Eats went into the food delivery business without the cooperation of the restaurants. And this lack of cooperation made it hard for MoviePass. It, you know, the big challenge was, how do you deliver a ticket? At one point, the MoviePass was a cardboard card. Another point, they were buying discounted AMC tickets at Costco. Then they tried emailing the code on those discount tickets. Really awkward stuff. And even after they figured out the credit card system, they couldn't settle on a monthly subscription fee. $30 a month, $50, $100 for a premium membership. This went on for like six years. By the beginning of 2017, MoviePass only had 20,000 subscribers. And that's when the founders turned to Mitch Lowe. The thing that I was trying to learn in my first, uh, like, nine months at uh, MoviePass was, who really wants to go more often? And then what would you have to offer them to get them to go more often? And so what I discovered very quickly is it's the 89% of moviegoers who are only going four times to five times a year. That's the group that is declining the fastest, but really, if you gave them the right deal, would come back. And that was where the 995 price point came in. 995 for one movie a day at a theater. Just like Netflix, the 995 subscription model removed the risk of a bad movie for people. Now, if repeat customer the podcast was instead repeat customer the movie, 
This is the part where the perennial underdog finally overcomes a big hurdle. Just like Rocky, after slugging it out in dirty boxing clubs, he gets a shot at the title with Apollo Creed. This is MoviePass's shot. Cue upbeat music. Cue action sequence. And in that action sequence, in the second half of 2017, MoviePass goes viral. Everyone starts downloading the app. Over a million subscribers sign up in just four months. The company's on fire. Lots of buzz. People are going back to theaters. This company could go all the way. And then... And then, just as quickly, the lowly startup that wanted to revolutionize the customer experience of going to the movies takes a big hit. Unfortunately, we grew so fast that, you know, we could not keep up with demand. The problem? MoviePass's own customer experience isn't built to scale. Oh, they couldn't print cards fast enough to meet demand. So people who signed up to the app were paying the monthly fee but couldn't get into the theater. And then when they called to complain, more waiting. I read somewhere they only had nine customer service reps when this happened. We disappointed hundreds of thousands of customers who, you know, waited, you know, a month and a half uh, to get their card to use the service. Uh, when we did, we weren't able to support them with, you know, all the challenges, you know, of kind of like, okay, how do I use this service? It's different from anything I've used before. So a huge number of challenges from underestimating uh, demand. People were pissed. And if this is now the biopic of Mitch Lowe's life, this is the montage set to sad music of Mitch walking the streets of New York as he contemplates what could have been. In reality, Mitch is at MoviePass's offices working his ass off trying to rectify the situation. You know, oftentimes I, I would think, like, why in the world are you swearing at me and calling me the scum of the earth? And then I started realizing, holy cow, they really want this product. You know, we've really got something people really, really want if they're going to go to that degree of, um, you know, getting upset at me. Now, this is not an uncommon challenge for companies enjoying, if enjoying is even the right word, enjoying an unexpected spike in business. But how do you make sure that this doesn't happen to you as you scale your business? Well, I asked my friendly customer experience advisor, Nate Brown, for some pointers. Nate runs the CX Accelerator, a customer experience blog and online community. If they had more clearly outlined and set expectations with me around how long I would have to wait and exactly what that activation process would look like, I would not have had to engage with support. I would have been able to use self-service at that point. So I think that's the biggest lesson in terms of anticipating where the pain points are going to be for your customers is how can you direct them to the best resolution path? And, and hopefully, ideally, when we talk about effort reduction, that's going to be some form of self-service where they can get the answers they need. After many turbulent weeks, MoviePass somehow accomplished what must have seemed impossible. They recovered from the sort of customer service nightmare that might have sunk other companies. And not only did they recover, they kept on improving the experience even as the subscriber count climbed closer to 2 million. It's awesome that they built everything right into the really great UI that they have through the app. I was blown away by the fact that I was able to engage with customer service through a chat window right inside of the app and not have to go outside of that. I mean, it's just awesome what they've done with that. So, I mean, thinking about 
the ability for other brands to replicate that model. I mean, it's it's cool to think about how much how much energy they put into making it easy to refer friends because they knew that when people started to do this together, that it would be something where habit patterns would change and people would engage with the service more. I mean, how likely are you to go see a movie by yourself? Not as likely. You just click a button to refer a friend right through the same app that you're using to buy the ticket. So MoviePass recovers from a customer service disaster and gets back to the business of transforming the way we see movies. It definitely changed the way Dave, our MoviePass superfan, watches movies. I will still see some of the, the big blockbuster releases per year, but now I get more excited about some of the smaller indie films that are opening up in, in my city. So remember, sitting in that film festival, Mitch Lowe really wished more people could see overlooked indie films. MoviePass now claims that indie films promoted or recommended on their app double their theatrical audience. This is huge for independent filmmakers. There are a lot of films that I wouldn't have given a chance before, and now I do. And I have found some gems, and it's pleasantly surprising. And what I have chosen to do afterwards is maybe try to dissect that film a little bit and find myself engaging with with, uh, friends who also have MoviePass that go and see the same kind of uh, films that I do. So it's, it's really opened up this social dialogue between us and uh, it's, it's just been really refreshing. And to me, this social aspect of movie going is a bit of a surprise. Dave, he started a MoviePass club on Reddit. There's even people on our subreddit that are talking about MoviePass meetups, and that has happened in certain cities in LA and New York, where uh, they're saying, hey, I'd like to go catch films with other people that have the same interests as me, and, and they'll post there and they'll meet up. We had one in LA not too long ago. This is starting to feel like a happy ending in the movie about MoviePass. Like in the MoviePass movie we've been imagining, this is the part where our hero Mitch Lowe, having accomplished the impossible, is walking down a sun-dappled street, birds are chirping, he passes a group of friends walking into a movie theater, he looks at the camera, smiles, and walks off into the sunset. But no, this movie is a suspense thriller about finding the right business model to support a new customer experience. What most people don't realize is that every time they use their MoviePass, MoviePass pays the full ticket price. So when people headed back to theaters in droves, it started costing the company a ton of money. At the $10 a month price point, MoviePass says they need at least 5 million subscribers to stay afloat, and they can't all be seeing 25 movies a month. They're at 3 million subscribers so far, and they're confident they'll reach that magic 5 million number. But some industry experts question whether this will be enough. And while some movie chains are cooperating with MoviePass, AMC is still resisting. Whatever happens though, Brent Lang at Variety thinks there's something to this new customer experience MoviePass created. MoviePass has done something that is worthy of some respect, which is that they've introduced a new model into an uh, sort of an old, uh, somewhat antique business. They've introduced this idea of subscription service into um, cinema going, and I don't think that's going away whether or not MoviePass survives. I agree with Brent. As MoviePass continues to experiment with and adjust their business model, other subscription services are entering the market, and even AMC has started to offer their own version of a subscription. 
So instead of a full-on happy ending, maybe we're going to have to wait for the sequel. And while we do, Mitch Lowe is continuing to think of other ways to improve the movie theater customer experience. I am uh, a total believer in the future of it, as long as the content owners and the exhibitors uh, start to um, follow the trends, you know, of consumers. So, you know, there should be, um, you know, binge Thursday at a movie theater where you can watch the entire Game of Thrones, you know, over a four-week period. Um, you should, you know, theaters should mix it up a bit and have sporting content and gaming and short-form uh, content and two-hour movies, but then making the transaction very simple. Like, why should people have to walk up to a movie theater and pull out their wallet? You know, they should be able to just walk in like the Amazon Go store prototype in Seattle. We should be able, you know, to identify them and say, okay, you're going to get a bill at the end of the month. You should be able to order your concessions and whatever you want to eat on your phone, pay for it on your phone. Those are the kinds of great kind of customer experience things I think we all can see in the future. But that's a wrap for now, so roll credits. In this episode of Repeat Customer, you heard from Mitch Lowe of MoviePass, Brent Lang of Variety Magazine, Dave Buckmaster of the MoviePass Club on Reddit, Nate Brown of the CX Accelerator, and me, Mio Edelman. Okay, you've been listening to Repeat Customer by Zendesk. A show about how customer-focused companies create great customer experiences. We post a new episode every two weeks. And if you're looking to elevate your company's customer service game, check out Zendesk.com because the best customer experiences are built on Zendesk. And you can learn more about this podcast at Zendesk.com slash repeat customer. Thanks for listening. Listening.